I started writing Food for the Archons as a book of despair after watching my father die in 2013. During his transition, I experienced a series of paranormal and psychic events that left me feeling that I had either gone completely crazy or fell into humanity's darkest secret. I spent the next five years conducting extensive research, and I quickly learned that what I had experienced was real. My journey brought me to an understanding that showed me that despite the terrifying reality of an unseen predator, we as humans have a forgotten power. Just knowing this brings us tremendous hope in what once seemed a dark reality. I wrote this book for me in hopes of gaining a better understanding of our reality and relationship to it, but my hope is that you will find as much value in reading it as I did in writing it. I am human, food for the Archons, humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com and at SixthSenseMedia.net and wherever books are sold. I'm Dennis Nappy II, reminding you to let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. More questions than answers. That's really all I have to offer right now, my friends. Sometimes I think the question is more important than the answer. We need to make sure we're asking the right questions as we're being force-fed information everywhere we turn. Different agendas, different ideas, different beliefs all seem to be driving us further apart. The question is why? What purpose does that serve? We're so emotionally entangled into these events that are happening around us. And if we're not emotionally entangled in them, many of us are just exhausted, myself included. I've never felt pulled in many, in so many directions as I do right now. Hello, Truth Seekers. Dennis Nappy II, back on the air. Hopefully, this will become a regular occurrence again. But every time I try to do that, things seem to get crazy. Now, we can work that conspiracy brain and say, somehow, some way, the universe or this spiritual agenda is working against me as I nobly fight to spread the word of truth through all of your ears. Honestly, I don't, I don't really think that's the case. I just think that uh, I've got a lot going on in my life, and the world is pretty hectic right now. I'm a teacher, as all of you out there know, and teaching has been nothing short of intense and chaotic right now. As we're trying to figure out what is the best way to reach our students in a COVID-19 world. And with that comes so many questions. And I don't want to make this show about COVID. I had an interesting experience a few weeks back, though. I took, I took my family to an amusement park. And oh my gosh, red flags everywhere. Now, let me be clear. I'm not, I don't have a clear understanding of what's going on. I did have the opportunity to have some foresight that this virus was coming and that a lockdown was coming. That doesn't mean that this virus is as deadly or as fake 
as they say they are, depending on which news outlet you prescribe to. All we know is that there was a virus and it was used to shut things down. And everybody has their own ideas and feelings on what that means. We made a choice to go to an amusement park because my children needed an outlet. My expectation was that they were operating at 50% capacity. It seemed nothing like that when I got there. And, and let me be quite clear, it was too soon for me. I just wasn't ready for I just wasn't ready for a crowd of people. We were masked the whole time. What was interesting is as we got to the park, we had to file into line and they now are scanning us with what I thought was facial recognition technology, but it was a giant tablet, looked like a big, big old smartphone or a tablet that had an outline of a human head on it. And you put your face within the outline and it took your temperature. And if your temperature was normal, you were allowed to enter the park. And my thoughts on this were, look how complacent we are now. We're giving them one more piece of data in exchange for access to something that we want. And I felt like this was a precursor, something to get used to, a bio scan in order for us to gain entry into a location. Why? Because it, quote, keeps us safe. And I didn't like it. Then I got into the park and it was chaotic. Not like everybody was running around like crazy, but looking at their plan to keep people, quote, safe from this virus. What did they have? It was, they had markers in these lines. Now think of these lines. They loop back and forth, back and forth. So we were supposed to stand six feet apart from one another, wear our masks. But then as the line snaked around, if you've ever been to an amusement park, there's people standing right next to me that were inches apart from me. So this six feet marker, it just didn't, it just didn't work. And nobody followed the rules. Everybody was standing in line all bunched together. Uh, what they did have was hand sanitizer everywhere so you could wash your hands. But I just walked out of that day feeling stressed and like, man, do I have to, you know, am I sick now? Did I, because I was just in this park and what it did is it, it I realized that this virus has made me afraid of everything. And the reality is, I wonder what our reaction would be if they started reporting the death toll of things like the flu. And I, and I know there's been a debate, the flu versus the coronavirus, and I'm not going down that rabbit hole. But what if the flu, because it is deadly, got the attention that coronavirus got? What if cancer got the attention that coronavirus got? How would that impact our society? And that's what I'm talking about when we ask those questions. Because they spawn more questions and they shift our perspective. So I'm not even going to speculate on an answer here. I just want to ask those questions. What if? What if we asked those questions about other causes of death? Makes you wonder, what is really going on here? Change. We're moving into transition. We're in a transition to a new world. And this transition is far from over. I don't want to talk anymore on, on coronavirus. I want to shift to something that was inspiring for me, and I hope I can pass that on to all of you. 
As you know, on this show, on this platform, I've been tracking disclosure. I've been looking at the UFO phenomenon. I've been asking questions for quite some time. I think my most my previous show, a few weeks back, looked at another piece of this. Just two days ago, I was on my phone, scrolling through YouTube, and I came across some clips in the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I believe it came out in 1979, directed by Steven Spielberg. There is a scene in there that I have shared on social media quite a few times over the last few years. And I've referenced it on the show, and I'm going to reference it again. And it's Richard Dreyfus. He had had a close encounter with a craft. He was in his truck. This UFO came above him, flashed some lights, and changed his life. And he was trying to explain to his family what he had experienced. And his family didn't understand. His wife was ashamed of him. And this scene that is so powerful for me, he's sitting at the dinner table and they're having mashed potatoes. And he starts piling them onto his plate and then something clicks. And he puts a little bit more on his plate and a little bit more and a little bit more. And there's no music or anything here. You can just hear the clicking, the clanking of the spoon to the plate and the potatoes. And then he starts shaping these potatoes. And he's really getting, he's getting the fork and he's making lines into it and he's trying to shape it with the spoon and he's really, and his fingers are getting all messy and he's just really into this. And every so often it cuts away and it looks at his children and his wife and they stop talking. They stop eating. And they're just staring at their father who seems like he's lost his mind. As if mashed potatoes have become Play-Doh, and he's now a child sculpting some toy. And the looks on their face are just really confusion. And then he realizes what's happening. And he starts to cry. He says, I can't explain this. This means something. It's important. So you've got this grown man pointing at a pile of mashed potatoes saying that it means something and it's important. To the outsider, he looks Looney Tunes. But to those of us who have been there, we understand that sometimes those tiny details that don't make sense to anybody else who has not been through it. We have those aha moments of, I'm so close to figuring this out, I need to keep pushing. And I think many of us can relate to that. And I'm amazed at how this movie was put out in 1979. And it captured so many experiences that I think have become more common for us in looking at how he got that information he was parked in his truck a craft flew above him 
and flashed some lights. And it was through that flashing of light that information was downloaded into his mind. Now, how many of us listening to this show right now have experienced a download? I know I have. I know many of you have. This is 1979. The internet, Wi-Fi technology, data transfer was not public. It didn't exist, at least not in the public sector. We didn't even have vocabulary for those things. Yet, there you go. Information was transferred to his mind. And it led him on a journey. And here's what I found inspiring. One of the clips I watched, if you if you haven't seen the movie, I'm giving parts away. But it came out in 1979. I don't feel bad with any spoiler alerts right now. He's trying to figure out what this shape is that's in his mind. And he ends up constructing a giant mud model in his living room. And it turns out it's this Devil's Tower, which is a mountain in, I want to say, Wisconsin, Wyoming, somewhere out there in the Midwest. And as he's building this tower... The TV's playing in the background. And the TV shows Devil's Tower. And there's a news story that goes with it. And that news story is talking about a toxic gas that has been released and is killing people and animals. So let me just be clear. Late 70s, this movie is released. And you've got... ETs downloading information into someone's mind and then you've got him watching the news this information is correlating to what's going on in the news and at the same time that news story is fake so now we've got fake news being put out back then do you see the parallels to what's going on today so he knows it's fake news why as I say at the end of every show He let his intuition be his guide. He travels out to this location, ends up getting picked up by the government. There's a man there who they say he's a Frenchman, and they say he is representative of the UFO investigator Jacques Vallée. They interview him, and there's this scene when he goes, I want answers. I want to know what's going on. How do I know this? Explain to me, how do I know these things? And I felt so motivated in watching that one scene. He was there. He was with the government. He was within reach of all the answers he'd been looking for. And I felt this charge inside of me. Like... I have been working towards that moment my entire life. Finding those answers. And I know so many of you listening to my words right now have been in that same situation, that same drive to just know. We just want to know. And towards the end of the movie, he's on top of this mountain 
and the ship lands and it opens up and then what do we have all the missing pilots and all the people who have been abducted coming out and yet they haven't aged and I'm watching this and I'm imagining what it would be like to be there to be a part of that contact that first contact and the feeling of excitement just exploded inside of me in researching what is going on who are they what do they want why are they here again the questions i've spent a lot of time on this show looking for answers and i've crafted my own little corner of answers we'll say answers for now ideas of what i think might be happening and some of those ideas are dark they involve treating humans like cattle they involve dark government conspiracies and a lot of things that are scary and not fun and if this is true i wish i didn't know it and right now i want us to forget all of those answers that i may have provided on the show and i want us to step back into that moment of wonder what's happening it's terrifying and exciting all at the same time and there is this infinite possibility that allows our imagination to run wild and it's raw creativity and that's power and there's something to that i believe as well and i want us to be mindful of that i want us to remember that excitement that we have and maybe you haven't lost it it's been very hard for me with everything else going on in the world to connect to that it's been very hard for me to get on and do the show because i've been so exhausted because everything else has been consuming my thoughts so i want us to if you have the time go back and watch that movie with an open mind and reconnect with that passion to learn to know and i i think that would be a a wonderful opportunity for a reset for us all right friends i've got some other stuff that i want to ask us in my exploration of questions i want to share something that came across my facebook feed just today this was shared by somebody by the name of dr lindsay fitzharris and it's got a picture of a deceased woman she looks to be about 19 years old and underneath it's got a picture of dozens of masks made out of her dead face and this seems horribly morbid but i'm going to read this for a minute just this post from facebook it says this is the death mask of a young woman who was drowned in the river Seine in the 1880s as was customary in those days her corpse was put on display in the paris mortuary 
in the hope that someone might recognize her and claim her body. The pathologist on duty became entranced by the girl with the enigmatic half-smile, and so he commissioned a plaster cast made of her face. This mask was replicated many times over. She became known as the, I can't pronounce this, it's French, L'Inconnu de la Signe, or the Unknown Woman of the Sign. In 1955, a toy maker named Asmund Lateral created what we now know as the CPR doll. Asmund wanted his mannequin to have a natural appearance. Remembering the mask on the wall of his grandparents' house many years earlier, he decided that the Lincoln de la Signe, I know I say that different every time, would become the face of Rasushi Ani. So you see, this anonymous woman who drowned in the 19th century is responsible for saving many, many lives the world over. It is said that she has the most kissed face of all time. So, what this story is saying is that a woman died in the 1800s, the 1880s, and about 80 years later, a toy maker, not understanding off the bat what that mask represented, decided, I'm going to use this as the face of my CPR doll. Now, that CPR doll's face has helped probably millions of people learn CPR, which has led to the saving of countless lives. And you think, wow, that's a beautiful story. That is incredibly noble. And I think, you know, it means maybe her death did mean something. This inspired more questions in me. Maybe this is my problem. I have too many questions, right? And I just put a quick post up there. I shared this on the Secret Podcast page. I think about this often. Look at the synchronization of events that needed to happen for this face to be selected. If there is a grand design and a grand designer... This gives me pause when pondering my life's purpose. It can be a dark topic to consider depending on your perspective. Some days I can focus on the thousands of lives this woman's death slash sacrifice made and the beauty of that design. Other days I wonder, was this woman's purpose in life to drown so so one day somebody would use her face to make a mask that saves lives? And that makes me sad. Think about that. What if that was the ultimate purpose of that woman? If there is a plan. Now maybe everything's just random and chance. But if there is a plan. Think about the level of planning that needs to go into place. That this woman lived her life in a specific way. That created a sequence of events that led to her being drowned at a specific point in time to where her body would be discovered and worked on by a particular person who took pity on her because her face froze in a particular way due to those circumstances of events that are unknown at this time that caused this person to create a cast of her face and multiple casts of her face that was preserved long enough for 80 years where a random toy maker met his grandparents or found this in his grandparents' home and decided to make this CPR mask. 
Maybe I think too much, but I have to wonder all of those things. Is there a greater purpose? What is our purpose? What does this tell us about the intelligence behind designing that purpose? There is value there. What value is there for the individual experience of that woman's life, her happiness, her understanding? And there's thousands of more questions we can get into when we ponder that. But we just have to wonder. Okay, I've got one more question that uh, I feel compelled to ask. That question is, why are we so cruel? And I really think I just need to stay off of Facebook and social media in general. And I'm not on it that often, but I I do like to check in on my friends and, and stuff and see what's going on. But I saw two things that really bothered me today. And things are taken out of context. One was a group of people, and I don't know which organization they were affiliated with, but they were smashing someone's window in their vehicle while the vehicle was occupied and they had a dog in it. And they're screaming like, get the F out of here. Get out, get out. Yeah. And, and they're all cheering. And this dog, I just, this dog was barking, but it was scared. And they're just cheering as they're destroying this car and this person is trying to drive away. And these people seemed so empowered and so righteous in vandalizing and scaring this person. I don't know why they were scaring this person and destroying their vehicle. There was no other context there. But it bothered me to see. It, it, I don't like seeing that. And I saw another video that was shared by somebody. I, I, I've never one that's that's thinned out my friends list. But I think I'm getting to the point where I need to start doing that. Because it's unhealthy with what I'm letting into my psyche. And it was, it was a video of a... I don't even know if I want to share it. It's 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 not that the video itself was horrible or traumatic. It was a video of somebody in trouble. Now, they were stuck somewhere and they needed help. But because of the organization this person was a part of, nobody was helping them. And they were laughing. And this person was obviously scared. They ended up being okay because some other people showed up to help this person. But I feel that, I guess I should ask the question, when did we lose our humanity? I know there's horrible things that have happened in this world. There are horrible things that have been going on. But are we letting it change us? Are we letting our anger or our desire for something different, change our value system. And I think that's a question that needs to be asked, is how much of ourselves are we willing to give to bring about whatever it is that we're working towards? Because what I'm seeing with some people that I know, and with obviously a lot of people out there in in social media land, is that we've we've forgotten human decency. I don't think there's any shame in the expression love thy enemy. 
I don't think there's any shame in treating your perceived enemy with respect and dignity. But what I'm seeing now due to this hatred, and it's not just one side, it's every side in this agenda I'm seeing it, is people just celebrating acts of cruelty. And I think it's a sickness. And I talked about it four years ago. And I wrote about it in the book. There's an energetic component to this. And it's, it's spreading like wildfire. And that's concerning to me. It's concerning that human life is becoming so devalued based on what's happened is the enemy, whoever that may be to those out there, has become dehumanized. Life has become de or undervalued. And when that happens, it's easier to inflict pain and harm without remorse. So I implore those of you out there who are seeing this as well, stay the course. Remember your values. Remember that what you put out there is magnified. And if you're putting out those acts of cruelty, well, you're contributing on an energetic level to a wave of contagious hatred and cruelty. That doesn't mean we can't feel angry and upset and doesn't mean we can't even we can't feel hatred because a lot of us do for some of the things that we're seeing. But do we have to give up our decency? The question I want to ask for is ask about that is what is the end result if we start supporting cruelty? If we start getting behind these acts, what is the end result? Can we come back from it? And I also want you to think about the enemy. What is the end result for them if this path continues? What is their position? What is their reaction? What is their consequence alright friends I know this show is a different flavor than we're used to Uh, I'm honestly just exhausted and uh, I need to get to sleep but I thought it was important to reconnect with all of you I'm in the process of putting together a schedule where hopefully I'll have more content coming out more shows, more discussions, more interviews Uh, I do have guests uh, on hold right now the issue is me being so busy so I'm trying to get back on the air And I will. As things begin to normalize again in my life, the show will become more consistent once again. So I thank you for sticking with me, my friends. Uh, I'm Dennis Snappy II. This has been another episode of the Seeker Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. And let your intuition be your guide. Empty your mind. Be formless. Shapeless. Like water. Now you put water into a cup. It becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle. It becomes the bottle.
You put in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow, how it can crash. Be water, my friend, be water, my friend. Water, my friend, my friend, my friend.